Hello, everybody. It's David Burns, and I'm back again for the third session of the International Baseball Community Podcast. Today, I'll be interviewing Reiner Krankel, president of the Atening Athletics of Austria. Reiner's been with the club since uh, 1993 and took over as president in 2004. Since then, he's been at the steering wheel of the athletics and has taken them from a small club struggling to stay in Austria's first division to one of the most successful baseball organizations in all of Europe. Since his presidency, the athletics have grown their membership to over 250. They've built a brand new, beautiful stadium, and as well, a youth park has been added in, in the past year. Uh, their annual invitational uh, uh, baseball tournament attracts teams from all over Europe. Uh, every year, there's usually at least uh, 10 different nations participating. And for the first time in 2013, there'll be a team from the U.S. Uh, during the baseball tournament, there's also a three-day concert, which is their major source of income. Uh, and this concert's called Fing Spectacle. Uh, the concert attracts crowds of up to 2,000 uh, every night over the, th- over the course of the three days. Since uh, he took over, uh, the team has won uh, two championships, one in 2008 and one in 2010. In this interview, I'm going to discuss with Reiner how importing has uh, helped the Atening Athletics and the rest of European baseball grow. Uh, we talk a little bit about the selection and valuation process involved with importing professional baseball players and coaches. Uh, we discuss a little bit about the contract- contractual duties of import players and coaches and uh, also what qualities uh, in an import that clubs are looking for. We also discuss a little bit about the uh, contractual problems that potentially could occur and how to avoid that. Uh, typical contract and benefits offered to imports uh, from the average uh, European baseball club. So uh, excluding the big two, Italy and Holland, where the, the typical contracts are a little different than those that you would find with uh, countries such as Austria or Switzerland. We also discuss how imports can best position themselves for a longer-term career in Europe. And lastly, uh, for smaller clubs that wish to grow into a larger, more successful club, uh, we talk a little bit about how to go about doing that. So without further ado, let's jump into the interview with Reiner Krankel, the president of the Atning Athletics of Austria. Welcome, Reiner, to the International Baseball Community podcast, episode number three. And uh, I'd like to start off today talking a little bit about importing. Uh, Maybe if you could take us back to the first days of importing and how that process went and and then uh, basically how it's uh, gone uh, throughout the history of the A's and up until now. Back in the middle of the 90s where we brought uh, the first uh, coach or player, P.J. Stratton, who came over and worked for the Upper Austrian Baseball Federation. So he he was traveling to all the clubs and um, gave the, all the clubs a complete new experience of uh, how the game is played, how the practices are set up, how the... Uh, the game management takes place and how to work with the youth. So at this time, uh, a lot of clubs uh, made great experiences in uh, getting uh, baseball natives, uh, call it that way, uh, in, in their program. And so some clubs, uh, like our club, decided uh, in the following years to bring over uh, an import player who's just um, working for one club. And from that time on, you see a real development in uh, in all the clubs, in especially in, the, in in this area where we live at the moment. Basically, the the imports process started for for the athletics anyway, 
in uh, around 1999, is that right? That's correct. That was the year that uh, Mike Burke and, and, and you were here and we moved up from the second league to to the first league thanks to your game-winning home run in, in Stockard. Oh, you remember, <laughs> you remember that good, yeah. So this maybe was also the uh, the key to, uh, or, or the, the, uh, the kickoff of uh, bringing uh, in uh, an import every following year, yeah. um, which um, brought uh, our organization uh, huge benefits and uh, a great development was going on in the early 2000 years. So... Then, then 2004, we had uh, another coach and uh, a great player here from uh, from Florida, and um, yeah, every year, you know, the, the complete organization developed a little bit more. You know, they were use practices run better and and each guy brings a little each coach that you brought over brings a little something new or different each time that you guys learn from and and then the players develop even further because i've noticed the years that i've been here since 2004 i've learned a lot myself uh, a lot of things about the game that i actually you know didn't know or I, I just looked at it from a different angle so everybody that comes over kind of brings a, a little something different with them that I, the Austrians just, you know, soak up that information like a sponge. And uh, I've witnessed the game really, really uh, progress over the years since I've been here, um, just within our club alone. But I, I, I know also across Europe, uh, probably it's the same thing going on. I know the, the ABL has, has developed a lot, um, in my opinion. That's correct. It's, uh, you know... It was not only our our uh, team that uh, went this way. So there were a lot of teams in uh, in Austria that went uh, the same development, and also even in in uh, whole Europe. You know, there are great examples of other countries that really developed in uh, in these early two thousand years to 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 um, to great uh, teams and great baseball organizations. You know. Yeah, yeah. As my website develops, I've. You know, I'm going around. I'm, I'm researching because I don't know a lot of, about clubs or, or leagues around Europe, and I'm learning as as the website grows and, and the longer that I've had the website. But I've noticed most uh, teams in Europe really bur were burst in in the early '90s, uh, some in the mid '80s. But that's typically, you know, they're about 25, 30 years old. The, the teams, uh, most of the clubs uh, throughout Europe, other than of course Italy and and uh, the Netherlands, but. Uh, that's the majority of clubs are, you know, it's still a very new uh, game in Europe. Um, uh, but right now, I think it seems to be growing quite fast. And, and the players, the, the, the European players are developing very quickly, playing at a high level. And I think a lot of that's due to the, the importing and, and the clubs like the athletics. Yeah, that, that, that's correct. You know, in the, maybe in the, in the 80s or in the very early 90s, you know, imports only came to the Netherlands or to Italy because these are the two baseball nations in Europe, mm -hmm. but uh, now, you know, the gap between these two countries and uh, the other countries, you know, is, is really uh, shrinking down, and uh, countries like Germany, the Czech Republic, um, France, they are having, you know, great programs, and uh, the level they are really increased in, 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 in in the last years, and they, they got closer to uh, to the big two like uh, Italy and, and and the Netherlands, and that's also the reason why 
much more import players are coming in uh, into Europe because it's not only those those two countries, you know. And um, a lot, of, a lot of them are following suit. A lot of the countries. You know? Yes, and at the moment, you you could go to almost any country in Europe and play at, at least at the top league some some good ball, you know. And yeah. uh, this is has changed in the last uh, fifteen twenty years. Yeah, I know. Even within Austria, I know a lot of the. the Second division teams are, are importing players as well. So, and I know <clears throat> on the uh, the European baseball uh, rating that Austria is around fiftieth, I think, as far as uh, or is that world baseball rating? That's the world, world. world baseball ranking. Yeah. I said Europe, uh, and they're around fifty. Uh, so, I mean, if the Austrian second league is importing players, you can only imagine how many and uh, European teams are, are are also doing the same or clubs. That, that's correct. You know, the opportunities uh, are great in, at the moment, you know, to come over to Europe and uh, play at least some, some, some good ball, you know, and not only in, uh, in the Netherlands or in, uh, in Italy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I think this is a, a good development that uh, really helped uh, the complete sports in, of baseball in Europe and because... European baseball can only have success if it's uh, played in, in, in every country and uh, this is uh, bringing over input players is a great way to, to expand uh, this success. Yeah. Um, when, when, when you are bringing over import players, of course, it, things have changed since the, when you brought me over, for example. I was one of the first imports and you know, I, I don't even think I signed a contract. <laughs> so I think things have changed then. So maybe you can kind of take us through... Uh, you know the the selection process and the valuation process. I know you're not as involved with that these days. I know that the vice president Sebastian um, is is more involved, taking over that that role. But um, I know that you have some feedback there. No, of course. But uh, yeah, this this has really changed over the years. You know, when we did uh, the first years, you know that. Uh, this our organization was not that big, and so the the, the tasks of uh, the import player were limited. So they had uh, let's say two practices a week, and then a game and on the weekend. And, and the import players were required to actually coach the coach, men's team and play. Yeah, coach and play, and uh, you know, but uh, this this has changed a little bit. You know, now we have. Uh, and not only our organization, that's uh, every organization in, uh, in Europe that brings over input players has more than one team and uh, has a youth program, has uh, promotion activities. And this yeah. is our, all uh, fields where, where the input players are needed, you know, yeah. because um, it's not only running a practice and uh, playing a game, it's also to uh, be around uh, let's say, almost seven days uh, a week and um, mm -hmm. he help out the organization, you know, and, and uh, not only stops with playing playing, uh, playing the game. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, when I see the imports come over every year and, and uh, you know, we're handing out flyers at the mall or, or we're going to the schools, uh, I, I, it's, it's also part of promoting the game. And I think a, a lot of the young kids in Austria... Really, like they look at these guys speaking English, and it seems so alien and foreign to them that it really, you know, generates some curiosity. And the next thing you know, a lot of these kids are showing up the game, watching, trying to figure out what this game is, and, and some of them even, you know, grab a glove and join in. So, you know, I, I see it working. I, I noticed uh, the membership's gone up quite a bit, and uh, you know, I think uh, 
you know, it's it's definitely a, a good choice bringing over imports. But yeah, like you said, a, a lot is required of them. It's not just playing the game. Yeah, yeah but I, I think it's a it's a, a great experience for the imports to come over because you know they're once they join the team, they are most of the time you know they are above the average from the quality of play, like mm-hmm. uh, the. Uh, the Austrian players so you know they are uh, like the little stars in the team and uh, you know the little kids are coming and want to have autographs signed and uh, this is a a great experience uh, for for the import players as well but you know it's uh, it not only stops with uh, their work uh, on the field you know they also have to take care of field maintenance most of the time and uh, as you said go to school start with school uh, programs and uh, help the whole organization to develop yeah so getting back to the selection process obviously when you're selecting an import player um, their their stats are are something you look at and and, uh, obviously you you want somebody that's going to come over and help the team win some games um, but what are some other things you look at as well uh, because I know that uh, like you said they have a lot of a lot of rules other than just a pitcher or, or a hitter that comes over uh, as you said you know the the main goal of course is to to bring over a player that helps to team the team to win to win yeah. games you know and now it's easier with all this uh, Transparency uh, mm-hmm. you have uh, over different websites and stats and yeah. YouTube videos. So yeah. it's not like uh, back uh, 15 years back yeah. that you yeah. didn't know what you get. So once you sign a player, you pretty know exactly yeah. what uh, what his qualities are. And uh, but uh, also, you know, the personality has to fit fit to the team. You yeah. know, and. Um, the imports has to be willing to, to do all this this stuff besides yeah. the just just the game, you know. Yeah. And uh, once they're they're willing to do this, I think it's it's a great experience for them to spend over summer here in a nice area and yeah. uh, having fun and mm-hmm. being uh, you know uh, a little star in the team and yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And hanging out with with the guys and after the games and uh, yeah. yeah, for sure it's a great experience and. That's why I made the website because you know I, I, I want to see others and I want to get the word out there that there's you know there are these opportunities out there and um, okay so is do you think um, for example there's a 25 year old guy never coached in his life but talented good personality does that fit somebody that you could possibly bring over if it was uh, whatever you're looking for usually a pitcher um, uh, without coaching experience that's that's also an option isn't it. I mean, what I uh, what I would um, really uh, recommend is that uh, imports uh, who really want to come over do not uh, tell any stories. They should say from the beginning on what uh, what their purpose is and what their their aim is, why they are here, and uh, because it doesn't make sense to to, to make promises and then uh, nothing is going to be fulfilled because it's not going to work out yeah and uh, then it's for both sides it's not satisfying and uh, it's uh, it's yeah. not the way it is exactly. the way it should be and um, but uh, once they're having a clear picture of what they what they are expecting here you know it's yeah. it's I also think that um, it's easier because uh, you get a lot of information uh, about the clubs from you know 
other contacts or, or website and so on. And then you should you should pretty uh, be prepared uh, where you where you, what what you getting yourself get, into. Yeah, what you getting yourself into and uh, yeah, because you know I, I did know, I do know like it's sometimes you know when the not just you know with, within this club but you know at work or whatever I know like I work in an international school and they're bringing over uh, you know um, employees from the US and sometimes communication you know uh, isn't clear or, or there's different expectations on both ends and um, so maybe the expectations aren't clear so that's one one big thing is a player needs to kind of state their expectations and what their expecting out of this experience and same with the club so I mean I think you're right like the more communication the better uh, because uh, you know once you sign that contract they're, they're here for eight months and if they're kind of moping around and they don't feel like getting out there and helping out coach the youth team and things like that then that can create yeah, they have to feel they have to feel comfortable and you know what we do as an organization we give them uh, a clear picture what uh, what their tasks will be here you know that's also even in the contract they have to take care of field maintenance they have to take care of promotion activities or or work with the kids and you know and if someone is not uh, feeling comfortable with uh, working with young kids then he should not uh, go there you know if this is uh, yeah. if this is something that's uh, demanded from from the yeah. club and because uh, I know there are other opportunities that do not involve coaching but I do believe most clubs do want you to help out with the youth program and everything but I, you know, there are also opportunities out there to play just as a professional player. Like I know in Italy, Netherlands, uh, you know, I know a lot yeah, of those you, players come over, and that's what they do. Yeah, that's if you go to one of you know the top clubs in the top uh, countries like uh, Italy, Netherlands, Germany, or Czech Republic, then uh, it's it's a little bit different than uh, going to the more not so developed countries you yeah know, in, and even within in like Germany place. I think that could there, that could range from some of the top clubs yeah. and, and some of the, the even within the first division I mean like uh, I noticed there's quite a big spread as far as um, you know uh, the uh, success of those clubs even within one league so I think it varies from team to team and you just need to have a clear picture before before you sign anything yeah, you should get as much as information about the team and the country and the league that's played there, and and then I think you should have a clear picture what mm-hmm. what, uh, what what you should expect from from club. Yeah, I think so. So I, you know, I think maybe we'll flip the interview over to because uh, um, there's two types of viewers or listeners to this podcast that I think would be interested in this interview, and one of them is the import player, and we we talked a lot about about how that process goes. Um, well, actually, maybe we can talk a little bit about uh, the typical contract. Uh, the last two podcasts touched base on that. But um, but the typical contract is basically a, a return flight. They, uh, they have a, an apartment or sometimes a room and uh, maybe a little pocket change. Yeah, and uh, you get uh, some uh, deals with restaurants maybe to, mm-hmm. to have some uh, meal vouchers or... For for our club, for example, you know, we give uh, all the players we give them at our clubhouse. They will have uh, the food dur- during the games. The food mm-hmm. is free, and uh, and uh, when they once they are working up uh, at the field doing maintenance, also all their, their drinks and, and they yeah. can you know use the fridge whatever is in the fridge. So that's included for co- <laughs> of course. Sometimes you get even a, a car or a, 
local mm-hmm. transportation. If you go to a big city, you know, you should uh, try to negotiate a little bit. Uh, yeah. get some public transport, get bus ticket yeah. or, or, or whatever for, for the subway. And uh, yeah, these are, are, I think, small benefits that, that you could uh, get from in, in, in your contract and which is not uh, putting the big pressure also on the, on the, on the clubs yeah. uh, financially. Um, yeah, one last thing, I guess, before I move on to asking a few questions, uh, you know, as... Uh, as the president of a, of a successful baseball organization, um, which possibly could provide some tips for other clubs looking to do the same that aren't quite there yet. Um, one last question about imports. Um, uh, what recommendations would you give to somebody that uh, wants to come over and play in Europe, but not just one year, they want to make a career out of it? How do they keep... Uh, uh, how do they come over here and develop a good reputation as, as a player that, uh, you know, a team would want to sign for two, maybe three years? What could they do on and off the field? I mean, they should be uh, open-minded and they should understand the whole uh, concept of the baseball clubs that, uh, of the baseball clubs here in, in Europe. You know, this is all, it's all, everything is based here on volunteer work. So no, nobody is uh, even a, earning one cent out of a ball club, you yeah. know, this is uh, it's more the other way around that people put a lot of money to follow their passion, you know, yeah. and this is a little bit different and this, uh, if once they understand the whole concept that everyone is doing this, uh, you know, next to his uh, job or school or university or, mm-hmm. or, or whatever and uh, is just doing this on... Uh, in his free time and doing it because he's uh, he, he loves the game of baseball mm-hmm. um, I think then they are uh, able to support support them in their volunteer work yeah. so this mm-hmm. is uh, if this fits together you know it, I mean we would be happy to have uh, uh, players here for, for more than just one year but uh, you know most of the times you know they just uh, follow their own careers and mm-hmm. uh, yeah and, just take this opportunity to have a, a nice summer over here and travel around Europe, see something of, uh, of Europe, yeah. and then uh, they, they follow their careers back in the States or Canada or wherever they are. Yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah, I, I, I was thinking also at this point, we could. Um, I'd like to ask you a little bit about uh, the Atling Athletics Baseball Club going from the small park up at the Spitzberg where the dugouts used to get flooded to the sagging fences to guys that, you know, trying to play a game but they don't know anything about the game to where it's come to now uh, where, you know, there's there's a brand new stadium. There's also a new youth park. Um, And uh, the success of the Finkster Ball Tournament and the Finkster Spectacle Concert um, and there's a couple of championships along the way too. So you know, I, it's just from what I've witnessed from when I came here in 1999 to now is, is just amazing for me. Um, coming from Canada, where you know uh, I don't want to insult anybody back home, but you know a lot of people just you know they won't lift a finger, you know unless they're really going to get something out of it. So it's really hard to, to, to come by volunteers. Uh, but also there were a lot of heartaches and a lot of troubles along the way too. I, I know it wasn't an easy thing to, to, to bring the club to where it is now. 
Um, so I think what I, what I want to do is try to get an idea for some of those other clubs out there that want to try to accomplish some of the same things that the Atlantic Athletics or some other successful European clubs have accomplished. Uh, you know, maybe um, we can talk a little bit about where do they start? How do they how do they bring them bring themselves from a small little club of a few hobby players to a club that brings out fans, has a brand new stadium? And what what are the steps involved in doing that? How do we, how do we get to where we are right now? What was what were the steps involved? Yeah, to be honest, you know, this was well, what what happened here in Atlang is also for me. Uh, I, I can't even realize it now what 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 happened there in the last ten fifteen years. Yeah. But you know, this is uh, maybe it was luck. There were so many people, you know. But met think, each other that yeah. uh, worked together and uh, everybody had great ideas and, yeah. and uh, put really hard work in there and uh, yeah but the, I think this also linked to uh, uh, this success is also linked to the import players you know because one important uh, key to success is to grow the organization you know and if because with a bunch of 15 people you cannot build a stadium you know yeah. this is absolutely not possible and uh, by growing your organization in uh, doing more youth work, uh, having more than one baseball team, having a softball team, whatever, brings in more people and more people are having more ideas and more volunteers and yeah. uh, then this, uh, this, this starts, you know, and, and to bring in more people you, you need also the import players, you know, who go out to the schools and uh, take care of the kids and the kids like to work with... Uh, with the big American or Canadian baseball players, and they love to do this, and uh, this grows the whole organization, and then you maybe have the chance to build your own field. And uh, yeah. so the, the usual things, the sponsorships, but the Atling Athletics decided to host their own tournament, their own invitational tournament, and started off with just a few teams from a few neighboring countries. Yeah. And uh, at night, there was a concert, local band or whatever, and you know, a few few baseball teams having some beers, and then it progressed uh, up until now, where I believe it's a you know, it's a three or actually sometimes it's a four day tournament or three day tournament. It's a three days tournament. Three day tournament and, and three nights of concerts, yeah. uh, uh, bands that attract crowds of up to two thousand people each night, uh, approximately. And, uh, you know, so obviously that's a major source of income for the club. But I, I've witnessed firsthand the, the hard work that goes into it, the, the amount of volunteers that, that it takes to, to do such a thing. And I think the key is you just need those, you need those people at the top of that pyramid that are kind of pushing, pushing those people, those dedicated people, and that's not easy to find. You're one of them, and, 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 and Basti and a few of the guys. And, uh, you know... I, I think that's also key is, is you really do need those energetic guys that are willing to just sacrifice a lot of their free time for the love of the game. Um, but uh, um, along the way with those hardships, are there any, is there anything you could kind of, you wish that you can go back and say, oh, I, maybe we could have, if we did it this way, it could have been a little easier so it didn't fall on all of those people's shoulders. Uh, you know. Yeah, sure, we could have won uh, the Euro lottery or something. Like <laughs> that. So uh, 40 million yeah. <laughs> euros, then everything would have been uh, much easier, that's for yeah. sure, but that is not going uh, to happen. No, as I said, sometimes I really don't understand it myself, uh, what happened here. Yeah. And uh, But... Um, 
Yeah, you need uh, at least some, uh, as you said, some guys who push push the others, and uh, it's not uh, it's not always easy to be one of uh, of those guys who always has to push the others. Too. Yeah. Because everyone doing it is uh, as volunteer, you know. Yeah. And uh, but um, yeah, in the end, it's for the love of the game, and it's for the love of the game. Yeah. That's correct. Good. Thanks, Runner, uh, for this interview. It's been great, and I know that uh, you know the listeners, the few that are out there, uh, they're going to benefit from it, and uh, hopefully, it's somewhat, somehow uh, contributed to growth of baseball in Europe. Thanks, Dave. All right.